This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page 371 He started out the essay number 6 that uh, King David used to praise, used to sing the song of the Torah, and he would find it comforting when he faced all these challenges and sorrows and all these hardships. He was accused and attacked by, by his father-in-law and his son, and, and firstly his brothers. He, was, he had a tough life, difficult life, constantly persecuted. And the Torah kept him, gave him the strength. The Torah was like a song and uh, he looked at the Torah as a, as a song because when he realized how precious the Torah is, the Torah makes life so much, so meaningful with the Torah, the whole Torah, the whole entire Torah, the halacha, the revealed part of the Torah, teaches us how the tiniest detail, every detail matters and important. If you do it this way, you do something that way, you affect, you change, you, it's a mitzvah, it's not a mitzvah, you affect the whole world. Every, movement of your life is so meaningful and, 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 and special and precious. So what the Torah offers you versus what the world offers you. So if a person has tzaras and has difficulties of this world, he's deprived of certain things in this world, but instead he has the Torah. So what does the world offer you? The world doesn't offer you much. So everything in the world is meaningless in comparison to the Torah, where, where every movement of yours is like the center of the universe and is so meaningful and pregnant with meaning. This was why, this was like poetry to the King David. The Torah caused him to soar. And his engagement in Torah and, and mastering the Torah gave him tremendous comfort, soothed his soul to face all these difficulties. But nevertheless, he was punished for that. And his punishment was, he forgot a halacha, he forgot an open halacha, which every five-year-old cheder boy knows the halacha, it's in the Torah, that a kohen, the, the ark, has to be carried by, by the priests. And instead, King David, when he restored the ark, when he brought the ark, wanted to bring it home to Jerusalem, wanted to bring it to Jerusalem, um, he forgot this halacha, and he had it brought by a wagon. And as a result, uh, when the ark slipped off the wagon, Uzzah tried to hold it, grab hold of it, and he died, and King David just left the ark there. He didn't want to touch it afterwards, didn't want to move it. He was very upset by the whole thing, but the whole thing was a mistake, was, a, was an error, because he shouldn't have put the ark on the wagon in the first place. How could he forget such halach? So the Talmud says, and tracked it site, that this was a punishment from Hashem because he called the Torah a song. Hashem says, you're calling the Torah a song? For that he was punished. But the question is, what do you mean? He called it for a song. It's praiseworthy to find the Torah a song. <laughs> How many religious Jews can be accused of the same thing? 
feeling that the Torah is a song and it's poetry and your soul soars and you're excited by the code of Jewish law and every detail shows you every detail of your life is so meaningful and that's a punishment and the answer is we started learning last week that the Alter Rebbe explains because there's something much deeper to the Torah than the fact that the Torah is a song it's not just that the Torah tells you that every detail, everything that you do makes a difference if you do the mitzvah precisely and correctly. And then it's a mitzvah, and if not, it's not a mitzvah. And if you do the mitzvah, you're able to draw down all these tremendous uh, um, energies and vitality and godly uh, illuminations versus if not but the the truth is that it's not just the mitzvah it's every every step of your life every decision that you make not only when you're doing a mitzvah everything that you do in your life you really should question yourself ask yourself what would the Torah say? What's the right thing? I have two choices in front of me. They're both kosher. They're both permitted. It's not an option of doing something kosher, not kosher. Pure, impure. I'm going about my daily life. My career, my daily life. I have two choices in front of me. Both okay. But to ask yourself, what, what does the Torah really, what would Hashem really want? What would the Torah really want? In other words, the, the, your whole being becomes godly in a sense. It's not just Torah is compartmentalized. When you do something religious, then it's meaningful and it's powerful. I'm doing a mitzvah and I appreciate the mitzvah and I'm joyful. I don't feel it's a restriction. On the contrary, it's poetry to me. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's music. Music to my ear. It, it makes life so beautiful. You know, you can look at an orchestra and also look at it as very restricted. There's certain notes that have to be played and the notes have to be precise. It could be a hundred-piece orchestra and it has to be perfect harmony. Otherwise... It's just uh, noise and, and grinding to the ear, but when everything goes perfectly, ah, it's, it's music. Your, your soul can respond. So we're not talking about someone who looks at Torah as a bunch of restrictions and, and, and a burden and a pain. And you look at Torah properly. Wow, it's majestic. It's beautiful. Look how harmonious it is look how beautiful it is and it makes my life so beautiful it makes my life so meaningful and everything is so your soul soars that's wonderful it's beautiful but if it's limited to just religion if it's limited to just when I'm doing Torah and mitzvot there's something much deeper than that Torah has to permeate my whole being just like Hashem is absolute, there is nothing other than Hashem. 
so too my life also has to become connected with Hashem in an absolute way. And that's the ultimate theme behind the Torah. The ultimate theme behind the Torah is that Hashem desired that this world should be a home, a dwelling place for Hashem. Just like a person lives at home, you let your hair down, you're totally relaxed. Outside the home, you project a certain image. Everyone projects an image. Outside the home, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, you're a teacher, you're this. It's a role that you play, a projection. It's an act that you act. It's a role you project. And you can be good at it. It can be 18 hours a day, and you've studied for it, and you're, you've perfected. But then when you come home, the doors are closed, the windows, the shades are down. I'm at home. I feel at home. I don't have to act. I don't have to project. I am myself. So all of the worlds, the upper worlds, the higher worlds, are just a projection of Hashem. Where does Hashem feel at home? Where is Hashem's essence fully and totally revealed? Where does Hashem... Hashem only feels at home in this world. And it's our mission in life to make this world into a dwelling place for Hashem. A home for Hashem. A place where He feels totally at home. Where His absolute essence is totally revealed. As is. With that absolute unity of Hashem is totally revealed. So in the deepest sense, that is really the whole theme of the Torah. The theme of the Torah is not just the religion, the 613 mitzvah. It takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> but it's still a part of my life. I still have a private life. I still have most of my life. I'm not doing Torah mitzvah. Most of my life is your career, you're making a living, you're going about, you're eating, you're sleeping, you're drinking, you're interacting, you're socializing. Not every moment is, is, is Torah mitzvah. So Torah can't be compartmentalized. The Torah's theme of the Torah is to make this world a dwelling place for Hashem, which is an absolute reality. And if that's absolute reality, then that has to be my theme 24-7. Every fiber of my being, every bone of my body, whatever I'm doing, it's all about Hashem. So even I'm going about my daily life, I'm not doing anything religious, not religious, not an option, a choice. Religious, not religious. Kosher, not kosher. Guilty, not guilty. Obligated, not obligated. Everything in my life, every moment I ask myself, is this what would Hashem want? Is this connected with Hashem or not? So this is something that you only get from the internal aspect of the Torah. The external aspect of a Torah, you can go through your whole life learning Talmud, Halacha, you know, backwards and forwards, Mishnayas and Rambam and Tur and Shulchanar and Alter Rebbe and all, all, all. And you're leading a totally religious life and you love your Yiddishkeit and it's not, it's like a song to you and it's, it's not a burden, you love it and your soul soars and it's soothing and it's comforting. But it's limited. It's just the external. When you learn the internal part of the Torah, Hasidus, you start learning what is the theme, what is the purpose behind the whole Torah. It's to make a dwelling place for Hashem. So it's not just limited to the moments when I'm doing a mitzvah or when I'm opening, when I'm sitting in front of a Gemara. It's every moment of my life. It's whatever I'm doing. Hashem is absolute. There isn't a moment. There isn't an aspect of my life. There isn't a detail. It's not part of it. 
But this is the essence of the Torah. This is the, the inner part of the Torah, which reflects Hashem's essence, which reflects Hashem's absolute essence. So when uh, once visited a prominent Rosh Yeshiva, head of the Yeshiva, I forget the details, maybe it was... Uh, there was someone from the Lithuanian world and he was telling this chassid that although he respects the Rebbe tremendously but but the difficulties they have and the problems they have with the Rebbe is that he he doesn't consult with anyone he just does everything on his own he comes out with all these beautiful campaigns. The Jews who put on tefillin, and every Jewish woman should light a candle, and you know all these. It's wonderful projects, but it would be nice if he consulted with all the Jewish greats. He's like a one-man show. And the second problem he has is that to him. It seems like the whole Judaism is a statement that's found in the Midrash that Hashem desired, He wanted a dwelling place in this world. And that's the whole theme of everything that we're doing. The whole Yiddishkeit became a Midrash. So when this Lubavitcher uh, Chassid reported back to the Rebbe, the Rebbe responded that, that the point number two answers point number one. <laughs> The reason why he doesn't consult with anyone is because precisely because they have no clue what the Yiddishkeit is. The whole theme and the whole essence of Yiddishkeit, if it's about Hashem, is about Hashem. And it's about Hashem, absolute essence of Hashem. There is nothing else besides Hashem. So when Yiddishkeit, even the level where Yiddishkeit is a song and you, you love the music of Yiddishkeit and the beauty of Yiddishkeit and you're into it. But you're missing the point. If you're missing the point, if you're missing the essence, you're missing what it's all about, the focus is about Hashem. It's not well, Yiddishkeit makes my life meaningful and tells me how everything I do is important and everything that I, every movement of mine matters and Everything makes such a huge difference and it changes the whole universe. And It's all about you. <laughs> That's the external part of the Torah. But the Torah, the inner part of the Torah, the focus is on Hashem. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about your perfection. It's about Hashem. What Hashem desired the truth, the absolute truth and core and essence of Hashem, there's nothing else besides Hashem. And that's reflected in my life. That becomes the theme of everything that I'm doing. I'm doing a mitzvah because I'm taking something physical and making it a dwelling place for Hashem. And that's true of everything that I do. I'm plugged in and connected with that when I'm standing in the office, when I'm standing at the water cooler 24-7, when I'm eating and drinking and sleeping and going about my business and my social life. There isn't a single aspect of my life that's not permeated through and through 100% with Hashem. There's nothing else. It's 
Like compartmentalize, it's an absolute essence, but that you only get from the inner part of the Torah. So a, a person who's just focused and concentrated, when one is just focused and concentrated on the external part of the Torah, as lofty and as great and as inspiring and as poetic and as beautiful as it may be, you're missing the point. And for that, the punishment is you can even forget an open, open halacha. And we're going to learn now why this halacha, why the punishment was that David forgot specifically this halacha. It could be any halacha. What's the connection that he forgot this halacha, that you have to carry the ark, and instead he put the ark on the wagon? Because this is connected to why he was punished, to the theme of why it's important to focus on the inner and not just focus on the outer, no matter how lofty and beautiful the outer is. Torah is beautiful. Halacha is beautiful. Shulchan Aruch is beautiful. What an inspiring way of life. What an inspiring message. It's like an orchestra. You can hear the music. It's, 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 every detail matters and everything in your life matters. And you matter and you make such a difference, a huge difference. It's so empowering. It's so beautiful. But when you're missing the point... You have to have your eye on the ball. You're missing the point. You forget, you're not studying the inner parts of the Torah. You're not studying the Tanya. You're not studying Hasidus. You're not studying the wellspring of the Baal Shem Tov. We're 200 years after the Baal Shem Tov and you, when a Jew is so clueless and he spends all day and every day only studying the revealed part of the Torah, the external part of the Torah, and not studying the inner parts of the Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah, which is, are connected with Hashem's inner essence and reveals Hashem's inner essence then it becomes, then it's a punishment. Then the Jew is only studying the external part of the Torah. It's a punishment. You're missing the point. You're forgetting what this is all about. And this is critical. This is essential. David was a representative of the Jewish people. It wasn't just a punishment for David. Just like when we read the Tehillim, David wrote for the entire Jewish people. So whatever happened to David, king of Israel, is a message for every single Jew. David was the head of the Jewish Supreme Court. He was the sixth in line of the transmission of the whole entire oral Torah. He was the only king, and not only was he a king, but he was also the leader of the Jewish Supreme Court. His whole life was Torah. And yet he was punished because he focused on the external part of the Torah rather than focusing more on the internal part of the Torah. The external part of the Torah, where the Torah imposes itself on the world, the Torah is in conflict with the world. And the Torah overwhelms the world and the Torah is, 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 uh, vanquishes and defeats the world. David was a warrior. And the Torah imposes its will on the world. Versus the ultimate goal is to transform the world. Where the world becomes a dwelling place for Hashem. Where the person, every fiber, every being, every body, body become completely connected and one with Hashem. This can only happen through the studying of the inner parts of the Torah. Studying Hasidus. 
So as much as a Jew focuses on the halacha, and we're obligated to study the 613 mitzvot, with all the details and all the halacha, like we learned earlier in great length, how critical and crucial and essential it is. But at the same time, it is critical and crucial and essential that a Jew should focus and study and spend time and engage in the inner parts of the Torah, in depth, in the inner parts of the Torah, which connect us with the inner parts of Hashem, the core and essence of Hashem. And then and only then could we accomplish our mission in life, to transform this world into a Torah world, an inner transformation, a core transformation, And then it's also a gentle transformation. You don't have to break the world. You don't have to... It's a total transformation. Page 371, Jeff. The uh, hence, the third paragraph. Hence, the internal aspect of the Torah, too, which is wholly united with Hashem, is not at all to be lauded as being the animating force of all the worlds. For relative to the internal aspect of the Torah, they are reckoned as nothingness itself. In this inward aspect of the Torah, there can be no mortal heartfelt joy and delight, but rather, in a manner of speaking, the heartfelt joy and pleasure of the King, the Holy One, blessed be He who delights in it. For only Hashem understands its way, and knows its station and quality, through His self-knowledge, as it were, knowing Himself as He also knows the Torah, that is entirely one with Him. This, however, is concealed from all mortal eyes. So the focus can be on what the Torah does for me and how meaningful my life is and the poetry and the music and the beautiful the singing and the soaring of my soul. The focus is on Hashem. This is divine, this is godly, this is Hashem. The Torah reflects Hashem, is unified with Hashem and reflects that truth and reality that all there is is Hashem. So I'm not thinking about me, I'm thinking about Hashem's purpose is being fulfilled. What is Hashem's purpose? What does Hashem need? What's the theme? What's the point? What's the purpose? What pleasure does the mitzvah have for Hashem? And that's the difference between it's like you have will and you have pleasure. They're both inseparable. But one is like the back, the external, and one is the front, the internal. The back is uniform. Look at a person's back, it's uniform. The face is, everything is unique. There's the eyes, and there's the ears, and there's the nose, and there's the mouth. and Every part of the face is unique. A different faculty, a different ability, a different talent, a different... Uh, that's like a difference between will and pleasure. Will is uniform. Why is something precious to me? Because I want it. So whatever I want, it's important to me because I want it. It's self-expression. It's because I desire it. That's why it's important to me. It doesn't, so it doesn't matter. The object that I desire is not important. What's important is that I want this. And because I want it, that's why it's important to me. So the desire is the same. I desire this, I desire that. It's because I desire it and I'm... And that's why I desire it. So therefore it's, it's uniform. Pleasure, however, is very unique. 
everything has its own pleasure. Everything stirs my soul in a unique way. We look in the eyes. There's so many different pleasures within the eye, within sight. I can see this. This gives me pleasure, and I see something else that gives me pleasure. There's almost an infinite variety of pleasures just in sight. And then there's the unique pleasure of hearing. You hear music. You hear, you hear a nice speech. There's so many different pleasures, an infinite variety of music and musical instruments, and everyone gives you a different pleasure, and everyone touches your soul in a different way and strikes you in a different way, in a unique way. And then you have different pleasures of sense, aromas. This aroma, that aroma, it's a whole universe of scents, and each scent is different. Each one touches you a different way. It's very powerful. You can even heal with the power of sense, aroma. The incense in the temple, sense, powerful. And then you have pleasure in speech, speaking, and, and, and then you have so many different pleasures, the pleasures of understanding and the pleasures of, a fe- of uh, emotional pleasures, of doing an act of kindness, the pleasures of love, it's almost an infinite variety, but each one is unique, each one is different. It's like the face, it's differentiated. Each one is, stirs your soul in a different way and gives you a unique pleasure. So too in the mitzvot, you have the will of Hashem. All the mitzvot share in common. Is that This is the will of Hashem. This is what Hashem desires, and that's why it's important, and that's why, that's why I do the mitzvah, because this is what Hashem wants. And every detail matters because it has to be precise. If I don't do the mitzvah precisely, I haven't done what Hashem wanted. Will, will has to be 100%, not 99.9%. Either I did what you wanted, I didn't do what you wanted. It has to be 100% exactly what I want. If it's not 100% exactly what I want, I have nothing. I didn't do what you wanted. So in this sense, it's uniform. All 630 mitzvahs are the same. It's a song. Of course it's a song, and it's beautiful, just like a song. You can sing the same song over and over and over again. A thousand times. <laughs> and it'll give, you the, it'll give you the same pleasure the thousand time you sing it, like the first time you sing it. Because you're experiencing it. Every time you sing a song, you're re-experiencing it. So what difference does it make if Hashem wants this mitzvah, He wants that mitzvah, that mitzvah? Whatever Hashem wants, it's a song. David Amel says, like a song. I can sing it 613 times. <laughs> it's the same song, but each time I sing it, 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 it gives me my soul soars and it gives me tremendous uh, strength. I experience. I'm connecting with Hashem's will. But then there's something much deeper, much more internal, which is only on the inside. Just like when most of our interactions with the outside world is really all we are revealing are, is our external self. Most people spend most of their adult life earning a living. That's what they want to do. Obviously, you only do what you want to do. So this is what they want. And they go to university and they study and they master and, they, and then they become good at it. And that's what they do most of their life. And that's what they present to the world. This is who I am. This is my career. This is what I want to do. And this is what I'm doing. But really, all I'm seeing is just the external. It's just the external part of the picture. What motivates you? What's behind it? Why do you go to work? There's a pleasure. There's a point. There's a purpose that only you know. I, don't, I can't tell what it is. Some people work hard because... They enjoy the work. Some people work hard because they want to get the money. 
doesn't end there. Why do you want the money? Well, I want the money because of things I can do with the money. I want to do things that I want. I love the vacation at the end of the year. I can, I can take a trip of a lifetime. Experiences I can get only because of the money. Some people want the money because it becomes a status for them. Some people want the money because it can give them power. Some people want the money because then they can leave a mark on the world. Whatever is going on inside of you, that internal pleasure that motivates your desire, what triggers your desire? Why do you have that will and that ambition and that desire which you wake up every day and you go and you do what you do? It's only, only you know. That's not revealed. I have no idea. All I know is this is what you're doing, this is what you enjoy doing, this is what you like doing, this is what you want to do. And you're doing it. Why you want to do it? How it touches you and how it stirs your soul and how this tr triggers and your desire, that's something you experience internally. That's your pleasure. Pleasure is very internal. It's not revealed. It's something on the inside. And it's very differentiated. Everyone is different. It's unique. It's very deeply personal. So behind every mitzvah is Hashem wanted 613 mitzvah. That's His desire. And the desire is the same in all the mitzvah. But the pleasure, each mitzvah gives Hashem a unique pleasure. Each mitzvah stirs Hashem in a unique way. It's deeply personal, so to speak. That's something that only Hashem experiences. He shares with us His desire. He reveals to us His desire. That's the part that could be revealed. The external could be revealed. The back could be revealed. Like Hashem tells Moshe, you can only see my back. You can't see my face. My face, my back, I can reveal to you. I can reveal to you what I want. And I can spell it out. These are the 613 mitzvah. This is my desire. This is what I want. And it's spelled out in great detail. But the internal, the personal, the deeply personal, the pleasure that Hashem has, which is why He wants it in the first place, that, Hashem says, that I can't share with you. That you can't see my face. That's the internal part of the Torah. That's the part of the Torah which is beyond our comprehension, beyond our grasp. Moshe revealed the external part of the Torah. That's what Moshe could reveal. He gave us the 613 mitzvah. He gave us the Torah, the written Torah, and the oral Torah. That's the part that could be revealed. That's revelation. But the internal, the way Hashem experiences it on the inside, the pleasure, so to speak, that motivated Hashem to, to desire the 613 mitzvah. And each mitzvah is unique, and each mitzvah has its own, stirs Hashem in a unique way. This Hashem can't reveal. It's only Hashem experiences. But that's the inner part of the Torah. It's also in the Torah. But that's the crown jewels of the Torah. That's the inner part of the Torah. That's the part of the Torah that's a, that the Torah is referred to as Hashem's plaything. This is Hashem's pleasure. Hashem studies Torah. Hashem is engaged in the Torah. Because this is Hashem's plaything. This is Hashem's pleasure. This is what Hashem learns and is engaged in. But that part of the Torah 
is hidden, it's concealed, it's, it's, it's the innermost part of the Torah, it's the part of the Torah that's one and inseparable from Hashem, and that reveals Hashem. And that's beyond human comprehension, beyond human grasp. But that's the part that the Jew should be focused on. It's amazing, as we get closer to, we're a moment away, a second away from Mashiach actually coming, and Mashiach actually doing his job, and Mashiach actually gathering the 40 million Jews and rebuilding the Third Temple. We're seeing, and the world becoming a dwelling place for Hashem, we're seeing how all roads are leading to Jerusalem. What is the whole focus of science today? It's fascinating. For years, science was focused on the part of the universe that we can see. Anything you can't see, scientists deny it. If I can't see it, I can't measure it. If I can't take it to the laboratory, if you can't experience it with the five senses, and it's, it's, it's not real. What is the whole focus of science today? Science has come into the realization. It's come to the realization that the whole known universe, everything that we can see and experience, the billions and trillions and zillions of stars and galaxies and everything, is 5% of the universe. 95% of the universe. Dark matter, dark energy, we don't know. I don't know we don't know. We can't know. We don't even have the tools of which to know. And that is the whole fascination of science today. The whole focus of science today, all they're interested in, all they care about, all they're focusing in on dark matter, dark energy, the mystery of the universe, the part of the universe that we can't know. We don't know. So just like what he's saying here, you have the external part. The external is what's revealed. It's what we can see. The back. The will. Halacha. The Talmud. The specifics. The mechanics. In all its detail. The orchestra. And all its intricate details. And its music. And it's beautiful. It's just the external. But the mystery of the Torah the infinite part of the Torah, the part of the Torah that's ineffable, the part of the Torah that's undefined, that's infinite and undefined, that's undefinable, because this is the part of the Torah that reflects the inner core and essence of Hashem, the part that's beyond us, the part that we cannot grasp, as Hashem tells Moshe, you cannot see my face. I cannot reveal that to you. That should be the focus. That's what Hashem expects. Don't take things on face value. Well, this is what Hashem revealed to me. This is what my mind can grasp. So I'm going to spend my energy, every ounce of my energy, 24-7, studying and mastering the halacha and the Talmud. This I understand. This I can grasp. This is the back of Hashem that I can, I can make sense of. And it's enough for me. My soul is soaring and I'm in ecstasy. and I, I love it and it's a song. And, and I love being a religious Jew. Hashem says, your focus should be on the part of the Torah that you cannot grasp, <laughs> on the mystery, on the infinite part of the Torah, on the divine, on the godly, on Hashem. And a Jew only focuses on like the 5% that could be known. 
on the revealed part of the Torah and doesn't have the time and the energy and the inclination or the urge or the compelling urgency, urge to focus on the inner parts of the Torah and the crown jewels of the Torah, on the core and essence of the Torah, on the mystery and the divine and the infinite and the undefinable and Hashem, he deserves to be punished. Not only isn't he pleasing Hashem, he's worried about the Garden of Eden, he thinks he's going to get a share in the Garden of Eden, he gets punished. Hashem says, you forgot about me. You forgot what this is all about. You're doing the mitzvah. You're a religious Jew. You're studying the 613 mitzvah in all its details. You're mastering the external, the will. But you forgot the main thing. You forgot about me. You forgot about Hashem. So you think you deserve to be rewarded you're going, to, you're going to be punished. So Hashem expects the religious Jew who is the master of the Torah, who is studying the Torah and finds the Torah a song. A Jew is excited about his Yiddishkeit and he loves studying Torah. And he finds the Torah soothing and comforting. And Hashem says, you're going to be punished. You missed the boat. You forgot what this is all about. You forgot about me. <laughs> you forgot about Hashem. So especially today, when we're almost 300 years after the Baal Shem Tov, it's imperative that every Jew learn from King David. The Talmud is not just telling us this. The Torah is not just telling us this. That King David was punished. This is a teaching. A very essential teaching. A very powerful teaching. That because King David focused on the external, on the will of Hashem, instead of focusing on the pleasure of Hashem, the inner part of the inner part, the pleasures of the Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah. The part of the Torah which delights Hashem, which Hashem finds delightful. Not only that we find delightful, but Hashem finds delightful. This is what's expected of us. This is what Hashem demands of us. This is what Hashem expects of us. We have to have our eyes on the ball. We have to be focused on the main thing and the point, the innermost point, the innermost truth. So a person who's living a life without any content, Hashem doesn't have, you can't have too, too, too much complaints against them. But a person, we're talking about a person who's living a meaningful life, a life filled with content. That's when the danger arises. You can get lost. You can get distracted. A Jew is not going to get distracted with, with nonsense. But we're talking about a Jew who's engaged in the holiest things. 
And he finds, he calls the Torah a song. It's beautiful. But it's a distraction. If it causes you to forget the main event, it causes you to forget what this is all about. So the point is, Hashem wants that the back and the front should become one and inseparable. A Jew has to be a tremendous Torah scholar and a Jew is obligated to study all 613 mitzvot and he has to master every part of the Torah and all the halachas. He has to be a scholar par excellence. Alter Rebbe himself, his name was Shnei Ur, two lights in one name because Alter Rebbe wrote the Code of Jewish Law. And he wrote the Tanya. And this is what he expected of every Lubavitcher Chassid to be a Torah scholar par excellence, a total master of Torah, of Allah, of Talmud. And simultaneously at the same time, he has to be a student of Tanya, the Pnimisa Torah, the inner parts of the Torah, the pleasure of the Torah, the deepest part of the Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah. And they have to become inseparable. And that's how we transform this world. That's how a Jew fulfills his mission of transforming the world and making this world into a Torah world, making ourselves into a dwelling place for Hashem and making the world around us all around us into a dwelling place for Hashem when there will be a core transformation, when the world will be completely transformed and become a godly place, a place where Hashem says, I feel totally at home with the coming of Mashiach. And the temple, the building of the temple will be a symptom of the fact that Hashem feels totally at home in this world. But it starts with us. And it starts through the Torah. And it starts when the Torah is unified, when we have the external part of the Torah together with the internal part of the Torah. They're, insep- is, they're inseparable. This is what Hashem is demanding of King David, the head of the Jewish Supreme Court, scholar par excellence. This is what Hashem demands, because it's the Torah that's going to change this world. So it's imperative that we study the inner parts of the Torah. It's not by accident this is placed at the end of the, <laughs> towards the end of the Tanya. The urgency, how critical and essential it is to study the Tanya and Hasidus in general, and to study it and to focus it. With the same pleasure that we study the external part of the Torah with the same seriousness and the same depth and the same focus and concentration, we approach and we study the internal part of the Torah. This is not just studying a nice vertel, a nice pshat, a nice word, a nice uh, inspiring aphorism, a nice saying, a nice story, a nice Hasidic tale. This is not a child's game. We're talking, this is as serious as it gets. We're talking about the total study and you study Hasidus as if your life depends on it. It's called Divriya Lakim Chayim, the words of the living God. With such a thirst and such a hunger and such a desire and such a need to connect and to plug into the inner parts of the Torah, which connects us with Hashem with the inner core and essence of Hashem. As it is written, 
my face that is the innermost dimension of the Torah, its communion, as implied by the word panim, shall not be, as is explained there in the name of the Arizal. Hence the verse in which the Torah itself speaker delight unto them, specifically unto him. The order of the words in the original makes it clear that the Torah is God's delight alone. Likewise, in the following phrase, which describes the Torah as causing God delight by playing before him, the verse specifies the term, in quotes, before him, the fanav, deriving from panem, the face, which is related to the panemio, the inner inwardness. For this re refers to the inwardness of the Torah that cavorts before the inwardness of the infinite. So the inner part of the Torah is something that's Hashem's plaything. It's something that's before, before Hashem. The external part of the Torah, the Torah is here to help us perfect the world. The Torah is here to help us perfect ourselves. The Torah is here. You know, the focus is on us. But the inner part of the Torah, the focus is what's Hashem's pleasure? What does Hashem want? What's the need? What is, what's the theme of all of the mitzvot is because Hashem desired a dwelling place for Himself. It's about Hashem, not about us. It's a whole different focus. This is Hashem's, the inner pleasure of the Torah. The revealed part of the Torah, the part that could be revealed, is Hashem revealed what He wants. I want you to do this, I want you to do this, all the mechanics, the details, that's the back, that's the external, that's the will. But what's the inside? What, what gives Hashem pleasure? Why did Hashem desire it? This is revealed in the inner part of the Torah. This only the Hasidus explains the purpose and why Hashem wants it. It reveals to us, Hashem, what's happening, what's going on inside of Hashem himself, so to speak. And that's what Hashem wants us to focus on. Hashem says, how could you just be focused on the external? You're doing everything right. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. You did exactly what I asked you to do. I asked, I spelled it out, and you're doing exactly what I asked you to do. But you're missing the whole point. <laughs> you're not focused on Hashem. You're focused on wonderful things. But how could you separate the inner from the outer? The Alter Rebbe will now explain that this sublime level of Torah in which God alone delights sends to nurture the souls of the Jewish people. For this reason, the Midrash calls the Torah Uman, craftsman, one who skillfully nurtures a young child. Concerning this, in the most level of the Torah, it is written, quote, I was by him, Amon, one who is nurtured, and quote, and Midrash comments, do not read Amon, but Uman, one who nurtures. It reads simply that the Torah is nurtured by Hashem. The Midrash says it's not Amun, but, uh, but Uman. It's, it's the Torah that nurtures us. The Torah nurtures the Jewish neshama. So there's a, there's a part of the Torah that's, that nurtures the world. But the part of the Torah that nurtures the Jewish neshama, this is the inner part of the Torah. This sublime and innermost level of the Torah descends to nurture Jewish souls inasmuch as they transcend the world. The world, however, is vitalized not by this level of the Torah, but by its externality. So the Torah, in a way, is like the interface, the interface between Hashem and the world. As the Zohar says, 
Hashem looked into the Torah and He creates the world. The world is, um, everything that's in the world is first created in the Torah. Hashem said there should be light in the Torah and then there was light. So this is like the interface between Hashem and the world. But like every, any interface, it's made up of two parts. The interface, the intermediate, has something from the lower level and something from the higher level. That's why it's able to be an intermediate. So there's two parts of the Torah. There's a part of the Torah that's more relatable to the world. That's the external part of the Torah, the mitzvot, the technical, the mechanical, the details, the halacha. And then you have the higher part of the intermediate, the higher part of the Torah, the inner part of the Torah, which reflects Hashem, Hashem himself. And so Hashem looks into the world and creates the world, and that's the external part of the Torah. And that's why everything that we do, whether we follow the halacha down to the detail, affects, affects this world, affects whether there's going to be a drawing down of the divine energy into this world, because everything comes through the Torah, everything flows through the Torah, and therefore the tiniest detail and the smallest halacha in Torah could have a tremendous effect on the whole universe. And that's why King David was singing the song of the Torah. Temu was a song. When you realize how incredible the power of the Torah, how the slightest detail in the, in the Torah affects the whole world, the whole universe. But on the other hand, there is the higher part of the Torah, the deeper part of the Torah, that reflects Hashem, which nourishes and nurtures the Jewish neshama, the Jews' relationship to Hashem, the Jews' marriage to Hashem, the Jews' connection to Hashem, uh, where the world dissolves and it's all about Hashem and the Jewish people. So this comes from the internal part of the Torah. This is what nourishes and nurtures that relationship, that special relationship between the Jew and Hashem. So just like it's important for a Jew to focus and to study the external part of the Torah, it's as critical for a Jew to focus and to study and to spend time and in depth to study the internal part of the Torah, which nourishes and nurtures our faith in Hashem and our neshama and our connection with Hashem and that, and that core connection. It is with reference to the hinder part, the external aspect of the Torah, that it is written. And in this verse, the Torah describes itself. Playing in the world, his land and my delights are with mortal men. It is the external aspect of the Torah that brings the light to the world and to man. So that part, the interactive, the interface to the world, and that it nourishes the world and nurtures the world, that's the external part of the, of the Torah. For the Torah was given in states of both inwardness and externality, as it is written concerning the flying scroll of Sechar and Sakaria, and it was written front and back. Hanin, face or front, is the root of Pinyut, inwardness. Ahor, back, is the root of Ahorai, hinder part, externality. So when he says front and back, it means the internal part and the external part. David seized on and praised the hinder part of the Torah, a term such as songs relates to the merely external aspects of the Torah. It relates to the world and animates it. He was punished with forgetfulness, which derives from an attitude of externality. A person does not forget things that are truly internalized within him that only things which remain external. So the punishment was commensurate to the, to the crime, so to speak, because he focused on the external as great and as lofty as it is. He focused on the external. So that led him to forget. Forgetfulness comes from something external. 
you know, students cram before a test and they get A plus. And the next day, <laughs> what? <laughs> Can't remember a thing. Because <laughs> it was completely external. But if something is internal, you'll never forget it. If something touched you personally, if it's real, you'll never forget it. That's why, you know, you can study the Torah and you can study all the halachot. But what Hasidus does, Hasidus takes every halacha in the Torah and shows us how every halacha is personal. It could be a far-fetched halacha, something about purity and impurity that's not relevant in our day and age. And yet, Hasidus makes that halacha come alive to us personally. It's about your life. This halacha, this halacha is talking about your life. And it relates it to your life, what it means on a personal level. If you study Torah in such a way, where everything in the Torah is really talking about you and talking about your life, and it's personal, and it, 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 it's like it's, it matters, and it's, it's, it's meaningful, it makes a difference, you would never forget that halach, it, because it comes alive to you in a very personal way. If you really believe in the divine providence, that everything that happens in your life is about divine providence, nothing is accidental. When you meet someone, there's an inner connection, and there's a divine message. And Hashem is, is it's an in, instant message from Hashem. I was told by the younger generation that instant message is so old a generation. <laughs> I don't know what the, what the new thing is, a WhatsApp. <laughs> <laughs> It's a direct... What? <laughs> I'm still in America online, right? <laughs> so it's, 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 uh, if it's personal, if it's real, you would never forget it. When you experience something, you never forget it. If it's just knowledge, information, okay, you may remember it more or less, but then it's just... You can't remember. But if it's personal, if it touches your soul, if you care about it, it's personal. It's intimate. It's real. You'll never forget it. It's an experience you'll never forget. That's why we remember our youth, even people in the older age, when they start forgetting. And they can't remember anything that happened a moment ago, but they remember what happened, what they happened as, as uh, uh, their childhood memories. They remember vividly. Because children experience everything. Children... They, they don't know what it means to, to be detached. A child, whatever they do, they do 100%. They live it, they experience it, they, it's real. Those memories are seared into your being. Those memories will stay stays for a lifetime. You, you can't remove it. So when it's internal, you'll never forget. Where does forgetfulness come from? When it's external. It's cramming your head with a lot of information. Okay, so that information is irrelevant. It's nice information. It's brilliant information, but it's not relevant to my life, so, it's, so you, you can forget it, easily forget it. But if something is personal and relevant and connected, if your life was on the line, you think you would forget it? You think any soldier that fought in the battle and his life was on the line, you think he'll ever forget those moments ever in his life? <laughs> Those moments you'll remember forever. Anything that's a real experience. If you experience a real fear, a real love, something intense, something deep, something profound, powerful, experiential, you'll never forget that. It's real. You lived it. It's alive. It's not just external mechanical information and knowledge.
So when the Torah is external and mechanical and informational, yes, you can sing and it's a song, but it's external. You're focusing on the externals. So that's why you can forget. That was the punishment that he forgot. Meaning that the whole thing was external. If it was internal, if you were focused on the internal, if you studied your Hasidus and studied your Tanya, you would never forget. It would leave such an impression on you. Every law in the Torah, it's not just a law. It's a life. It's life. Every fiber of your being, every bone in your body, it's alive. If every mitzvah in the Torah was alive, how could you forget such, such a law? You would never in a million years forget it. But it was just information. Another brilliant piece of information. Which you studied and you mastered. But then when it came to real life, you forgot. It didn't leave an impression. Because it was the external, not the internal. So that explains why the punishment was that King David forgot. But why did he forget specifically this law of all laws? It's also connected to this thing. A person does not forget things that are truly internalized within him, but only things which remain external to him. He thus became momentarily oblivious to the verse concerning the ark. The sacred service is their duty. On the shoulder shall they carry it. In order to combine and unite the shoulders, which are akin to the hinder part, with the sacred service, the supernal wisdom, which is also called sacred, in a manner that reflects inward. The way they carried the ark was very interesting in a very unique way. This is unique to the Ark. He needed four Kohanim, priests, to carry the Ark. He had the two poles. He had one at each, each end of the pole. But the Kohanim, all four, were facing each other. So two of the Kohanim were walking backwards. But their face had, they had to face the Ark. Ordinarily, when you have four people carrying something, each, all four are facing in one direction. Here, the two were facing an opposite direction. They were facing each other. And they walked backwards. Because you can't turn your back to the ark. The ark was surrounded by four faces. Four Kohanim facing the ark. And it was very awkward. They, they walked, whatever direction they walked, they walked backwards. Slowly, so backwards. awkward for the, the two faces. It's awkward because usually you don't carry like that. Facing. How do you carry when you can't? Yeah, the other car it wasn't awkward, but the two facing the direction, they're walking backwards. It's very awkward. It's very, the other things that they carry, the other vessels, they carried it normally. Here, they had to carry it. In the, they had to face the ark. Because the ark represents the face. The ark represents the tablets. The Torah. And not just the, the Torah. The written Torah, the etched Torah, was etched into the tablets, the Chachma, which is all face. There's no, nothing external. As you're going to say, he quotes the, the Jerusalem Talmud, and it says in Ethics of Our Fathers, this is one of the things Hashem created at the end of Friday, this, the miracle of the writing of the Luchot, which was an incredible miracle. Not only was it a circle, but no, no matter which direction, because both Luchot, Hashem wrote. 
The first Luchot, Hashem also provided the stone. The second Luchot, He tells Moshe, you bring the stone and I'll write. No matter which direction you looked at the Luchot, all four directions, it read the same way. There was no back. Usually when you write, you read it, there's a front. If you look at it from the other side, it's backwards. You're reading it backwards. Here, no matter which direction you faced, all four directions, it was the front. There was no back. It was absolutely no. It was a miracle. It was, it was an astonishing miracle. It's beyond human comprehension. How is it even possible? How do you have a writing and they have the same writing the other way and it's all front. No matter which direction you look at it, you, it's read the same way. It's all the front. It's not humanly possible. It's a miracle. Beyond, beyond human comprehension. You know, this is one of the ten things Hashem created. Ben Hashemoshes, the Friday, right before Shabbos. It's a miracle beyond this world. So the Luchot represents the front, represents the supernal wisdom, the highest level of supernal wisdom, where all there is is the front, because what does the supernal wisdom represent, as we learned earlier in the Tanya, the first part of the Tanya, in chapter 37, Al-Tarebi heard from his teacher, that Chachma, wisdom, represents the absolute truth that there's nothing else besides Hashem. There is no ego, there is no I, there is no, no existence. All that is is Hashem. That's what the wisdom represents. The wisdom senses that. Senses that truth. That ultimate, absolute truth that there is no other reality but Hashem. Nothing exists besides Hashem. So all there is is a front. There is nothing else. There is no back. There is nothing. There is only Hashem. No matter which direction you look, look at, no matter which angle you approach it, there is only one emes. That is the emes of Hashem. And that was reflected in the luchot, in the physical luchot, that physically, you looked at it, in whatever direction you looked at it, there was no back. It was all front. Four fronts. <laughs> the same thing you read from every single angle, no matter, just like emes. Whichever angle you look at it, it all comes to the same emes. What is the emes? Hashem. There's nothing else. There's nothing else. There's no back. There's no front. There's no two sides. All there is is Hashem. There's nothing else. And that's what the truth of the luchot is. The purpose is that that truth should permeate the world. That there is nothing else besides Hashem, period. That's what it means. This world is a dwelling place for Hashem. Hashem's core and essence is totally revealed. There's the truth of Hashem, there's nothing else besides Hashem. If there's nothing else besides Hashem, that means that 24-7 my whole life is Hashem. Not only when I'm doing something religious or studying Torah or doing a mitzvah. 24-7, whatever I'm doing, it's permeated with that absolute truth and all there is is Hashem. And what nourishes me and what nurtures me, it's the Torah. But the Luchos, which is the essence of the Torah, which is etched by Hashem, written by Hashem, this is Matan Torah, this is the giving of the Torah, this is, and the first Luchos, and the second Luchos, this is what Hashem gave us, this is the core and essence of the whole Torah, the Ten Commandments included in it, the whole entire Torah. That's the whole theme of the Torah. And it says if the Jewish people would not have sinned with the golden calf, there would never be any forgetfulness. Because they would have absorbed and received the Torah the way it was meant to be. And if they would have received the Torah the way it was meant to be, their whole life would be only a, only a face, there's no back. Their whole life would be facing Hashem, there is no back. All there is is Hashem. And had they not sinned with the golden calf, what would have happened? Moshe would come down the mountain, they would go straight to Mashiach. 
They would have gone into the holy land and build a temple and transform the world. The world would have become a face of Hashem, a place, a dwelling place for Hashem. This is the theme of Torah. This is the whole purpose of Torah. This is what Hashem desired. This is what Hashem's pleasure. This is what Hashem wrote. This is what Hashem conveyed. This is the essence. And even when they sinned, Hashem gave them the second set of tablets. So yes, now we have the written Torah. But the Luchot itself was the writing of Hashem and had this miracle. The Luchot itself, no matter which way, which angle you looked at it, it it was only a face. So this is the core and essence of the Torah. This is what it's all about. This is reflected in the inner parts of the Torah, in the Tanya, in the Hasidus, in the wellspring of the Baal Shem Tov. This is the crown jewels of the Torah. This is what it's all about. So because King David focused on the external part of Torah, as lofty as it is, that's why he forgot. And what law did he forget? The law that you're not allowed to, that you have to carry the luchot, that there shouldn't be any back. It should only be a face. Because he didn't focus on that part of the Torah, the most important part, the essential core, essential part of the Torah, the inner part. So it's all connected. It's not just random. Because he called a song, I mean, without, again, just like anything else, just to prove the point. Without Hasidus, this whole story makes absolutely no sense. Why was he punished? He called the Torah a song. It's wonderful. A Jew considers the Torah a song. Wow, I wish we, for us the Torah would be a song. Halavai, beautiful. And this is what comforted King David and soothed him. And even if he had to be punished, why was he punished? So he forgot. And he forgot the law about carrying the luchas, putting it on the wagon instead of, instead of carrying it, putting it on the wagon. What's the connection? It makes no sense. So you read the Talmud. Every student of the Talmud who studied the Talmud for thousands of years, it's a nice story. Here's what the Talmud says. We accept it and move on. Comes along Hasidus, the inner parts of the Torah, the crown jewel Torah, makes it come alive. It's all connected. You realize what's going on here? Hashem is telling us this is what it's all about. This is the whole point. This is why Hashem gave us the luchas and was etched and carved. And this is the core and essence of Torah. There's only a face because we have to focus on the face. There shouldn't be any divide, any division between the external and internal. You have to turn the back and everything should be turned into a face. The four were facing each other. You have to focus on the face. And the back should be aligned with the face. Not focused on the back and forget about the face, God forbid. And that's the only way we're going to fulfill our mission, our divine mission. That's the whole purpose of the back. That's the whole purpose of the written Torah and the oral Torah and the halacha and the external. The whole purpose is, the whole theme is to make this world a dwelling place for Hashem. It's all about Hashem. How are we going to do that if we're not studying Hasidus? How are we going to accomplish that goal? If we're missing the whole point. It's crucial, critical, essential that we dive right in and start engaging in Hasidus with the whole seriousness and the depth of mind and the depth of being just like we engage in the external part of the Torah. We, it's a serious, serious focusing and studying and 
engaging and mastering. So we have to focus on the mystery of the Torah and the infinite of the Torah and the, and the infinity of the Torah, the divine of the Torah, the innermost part of the Torah, the pleasure of the Torah, the part of the Torah where Hashem finds so pleasurable. For this state of inwardness is the source of the tablets in the earth, of which the verse states, written on both their sides, in quotes. And as explained in the Yerushalmi, Tractate Shekolom, the tablets did not have any front and back. They were entirely punim, signifying communion, inwardness. The purpose of carrying the ark on the shoulders was thus to connect the external aspect of man with the inwardness of the Torah. Study that reference in Yishami well. So the whole purpose is to connect the external with the internal. And that's exactly what Dalton Rebbe just did here in this essay. He took this story in the external part of the Torah and tracked it Saita, which everyone read and learned and just, okay, moved on. A nice piece of information. What's the relevancy to my life? I have no idea. What's the connection? I have no idea. What's the meaning of it? I have no idea. And by connecting the external part of the Torah, the internal part of the Torah, suddenly this comes alive. This passage, this story, this event, this episode suddenly becomes so critical, so relevant, so compelling, so powerful, so inspiring, so moving, personal. And we're never going to forget the story now. <laughs> I bet you someone who just studied the track they cite and read the story, if you, okay, maybe he'll remember, maybe he won't. But if you understand the inner, you understand what the Torah, the message of the Torah is telling you, the pleasure, the inner part of the Torah, the divine, the godly, the crown jewel, you never ever, we're never going to forget the story ever in our lives because now the story comes alive. With every exquisite detail, how connected it is, how real it is, the message, the point, what it's all about. So this is like a sample. Our Rebbe is giving us a sample to prove the point <laughs> by taking the story and explaining it so exquisitely and so powerfully. This is true of everything in the Torah. Every halach in the Torah, every detail in the Torah, it's the inner part of the Torah that makes it come alive, that makes it the face. You have to combine the external with the internal. That's the whole point. That's what Hashem wanted. That's what Hashem desired. So a person can't say, listen, I'm studying Talmud, don't bother me. I'm studying Allah, I'm busy. I don't have time. Maybe once in a while I'll hear a nice Hasidic tale, a nice Vertel, a nice Drush, a nice, yeah, why not? It's a little icing on the cake. It's a nice touch. When my mind is fried and I don't have any energy to really study, I'll, I'll, I'll lie in bed and I'll read a nice Hasidic tale for a few minutes. We have to transform this world into a Torah world. We have to take the luchos, Hashem's original intent of making the whole world a face, combining the world, the external to the internal, making the world a dwelling place for Hashem. And that originates with the Jew and originates with the Torah and originates when the Jew is focused on the internal part of it and combines the external with the internal. And all the rabbis, almost all the rabbis discussed this and this point and elaborated on this point in great detail and great depth. Almost all, all the seven rabbis. Because it's so 
powerful, profound, and telling. And this is like the perfect example to prove the point of combining the external and the internal. Unification. Unification. Very powerful essay. And just to sum it up, Dalta Rebbe was uh, explaining why King David was punished for referring to the Torah as a song. He was praising the Torah. He was singing the praises of the Torah. The Torah, he found the Torah so inspiring. And yet he was punished. Why would he, King David be punished for finding the Torah so inspiring? Most Jews don't find the Torah so inspiring. It's, it's so many details and specifics and do's and don'ts and minyushay and we spend our whole life studying Torah, the rules, the laws, what you should do, what you shouldn't do, and there's so many variables, thank you, and there's so many details and specifics and mechanics and you know, you can, you can get lo the poetry, you can get lost in the shuffle. You're so focused on the technicality and the mechanics and the minyashay that you forget. And yet King David never lost sight of the poetry of the Torah. He didn't look at the Torah as a bunch of restrictions and rules and laws and don'ts. And it's crazy making, don't do this and don't do this and a thousand details. And if you do this, you do it right. And if not, it's, oh, it's, you do it wrong. Instead, it inspired him. It caused his soul to soar. Because, you know, it's like a, a hundred-piece orchestra. You know how many details goes in to make that divine music? It has to be so precise, and every, the precision, everything has to be so perfectly in order to blend. And, and then you hear the music. So King David heard the music. When you keep Shabbos, as exactly as it's spelled out in the Torah and the oral Torah, all the details. King David didn't see the, oh, the burden and the, oh, the restrictions and don't do this. He saw the music. He sang the praise of the Torah. That the Torah makes our life so meaningful. The Torah empowers us. The Torah tells us that every moment of your life is meaningful and real and every action of yours and every detail and the slightest detail and the slightest thing that you say and this even the thought and attitude everything adds up everything matters everything makes a difference the whole world is in balance and it's all it's all up to you one good deed and you tip the scale and if you do it right it's it's it's, it's a mitzvah it's divine it's godly you create a powerful flow and a, an abundance of divine energy that flows into the universe and vice versa, if you do it wrong, the whole universe is in balance. So what a way to live. What an empowering way to live. So when King David was faced with the many, many tsaris and problems and difficulties of this world, King David looked at the two. He says, what does this world offer me? Money, power, fame, indulgence. How, could this, how does that compare to what the Torah offers me? The Torah is offering me a life where, every, where I matter and everything I do matters and every thought, speech, and action, every day, every moment, how could you compare? So King David sang the songs of the Torah. It inspired him and encouraged him. It gave him the, the strength to be able to withstand all these, all these trials and tribulations. And yet King David was punished because Hashem said that the Torah which is my plaything, which is my pleasure. So you sing the praise of the Torah, you refer to it as a song? 
And therefore he was punished. He forgot a law which every child knows. It's clearly in the Torah. That you're not allowed to transport the ark with the wagons. You have to carry it. The Kohenim, in the desert it was the Levim, but afterwards it was the, the priests who had to carry the ark. And King David forgot this law. So why was King David punished? He was singing the praise of the Torah. He found the Torah poetic and inspired him, gave him courage, strength, rejuvenated him. Halavai, we should all sing the song of the Torah and appreciate the Torah as much as King David did. And yet he was punished. And the answer is, in a nutshell, because there is the external part of the Torah and there is the internal part of the Torah. The external part of the Torah is the laws, the rules, the halacha, the Talmud, the Mishnah, the oral Torah, the mitzvot, as spelled out halachically. But then you have the inner part of the Torah. Just like within a person, you have the will, which is the external, and then you have the pleasure, which is the internal, which motivates the will and drives the will. Why do I desire it? Because I have a pleasure. The pleasure is what's on the inside. The will is what's on the outside. That's what we're able to see. I can see what a person wants. Most of our adult life, we are engaged in whatever careers, whatever we spend our life, whatever we committed our lives to. But that's just the external. That's what you want. But the internal, what gives you pleasure, that's something that only you, you know. What motivates you? What drives you? What are you looking for? What is this all about for you? Personally, that's very deep, intimate. It's very personal. That's your pleasure. That's not something that you share and that's not something that I can tell from the outside. I can just tell what the pleasure brings. The pleasure motivates you to desire this and this is, this is your front. This is your face. This is what you're, you're representing. This is how you represent yourself to the outside. But what's going on on the inside, I don't know. So what King David was punished was, the reason he was punished because you can have a Jew who's focused on the external. His whole life is focused on the will of Hashem. What does Hashem want from me? So his whole life he spends studying Torah, the written Torah, the oral Torah, the Mishnah, the Talmud, the Rambam, the Tur, the Shulchan Aruch, the Halacha, and all the Minyashe, and all the details, and all the mechanics. And he knows exactly what Hashem wants of me. What are the 613 mitzvahs, Hashem's wishes, His desires, that, that He expressly wished and desired for us to do. And He can master it. But if you ask that Jew, did you ever stop and think for a moment? What's the point? What is this all about? What does Hashem want in all of this? What does Hashem need? What does Hashem want? What is the point and purpose of mitzvah? So some Jews will tell you, it's none of my business. I'm doing what Hashem wants. Do I care? Do I lose sleep at night? Do I worry? What's the point? What's the kavana? What's the tachlit? What's the purpose? What's the point? All that's important to me is what Hashem wants of me. 
Hashem is not shy, he expresses his wish, he, says, he spells it out, tells me exactly what he wants, what he desires. It's spelled out in the code of Jewish law in great, great detail. And that's all that matters. And I'm mastering his will, and I know exactly what's expected of me. And I sing the praise, and I find Yiddishkeit, I don't find it restrictive. I sing its song, I hear the music, it's beautiful, I'm doing what Hashem wants of me. I'm studying Torah, I'm doing mitzvot. My life is wonderful, I'm happy. I'm fulfilled, I'm content. I don't have to go any deeper, I don't have to go any further. So Hashem says, King David was punished. You're only focused on the external part of the Torah? The internal part of the Torah you're not focused on? What the Torah means to Hashem? You don't stop and question and it doesn't bother you and you don't lose any sleep to ask, what is this all about? What does Hashem want with all of this? What's the point? What's the purpose of creation? Why did Hashem create the world? What is this all about? That's the inner part of the Torah. That's what we call the Pnimiyat Torah, the crown jewels of the Torah, which Hashem revealed what His purpose is. Hashem desired that there should be a dwelling place for Himself in this world. Hashem created mission impossible. He created a world which is dark and dense, a world which is not a vessel and a vehicle for any revelation. The stone of the universe, which is our world, the unmoving and unmovable that just exists, shows no sign of life, Spiritually speaking, our world is the stone of the universe, the lowest of the low, the most dense, concrete, material, tangible, physical. We don't see any sign of spirituality, any sign of godliness, any sign of life. The most egotistical, a world which is coarse and crass and arrogant and selfish and self-centered and self-absorbed. It's not even a vessel for any light, for any godliness, for any spirituality, any sensitivity. And Hashem desired that not only should there be a revelation in this world, in this context, in this setting, there should be the ultimate revelation. A revelation that's so intense that it cannot even be revealed in the upper world, in the heaven, in the heaven of heaven. That Hashem's very core and essence should be revealed in this world. Hashem's core and essence cannot be revealed. It's beyond revelation. So let's get this straight. Hashem desired that His essence, which is beyond revelation, should be revealed, fully revealed, in a setting, in a context, in a world, which is not a vessel for any revelation, let alone the ultimate revelation. It's mission impossible. And that's why he gave us a Torah. And that's why he gave us mitzvot. And that's why he chose the Jewish people to accomplish mission impossible. So a Jew says, for me it's enough to study Talmud all day. I don't have to study Tanya. I don't have to study Hasidus. I don't have to study the inner parts of the Torah. I'm very happy mastering the Talmud. I'm doing a mitzvah. I'm studying Talmud. I'm studying Torah 24-7. I'm mastering all the halacha. To me, Yiddishkeit is beautiful. I'm doing what Hashem wants of me. And that's fine, and that's enough. So the Torah says, King David was punished. 
Hashem is upset. You're only focused on the external part of the Torah? You have zero interest in the internal part of the Torah? What the Torah means to Hashem personally? What this is all about for Hashem personally? What the point is? What is this all about? So you can't just go about your life and say, I'm a Torah scholar, I'm an observant Jew, and I'm doing what Hashem wants and that's enough for me. I have zero interest, zero curiosity. I don't lose any sleep at night wondering and studying and trying to figure out what does Hashem want? What's the point? What's the purpose? What's this all about? But it's only when you study Hasidus and you study the inner part of the Torah that that question is first and foremost. What is the tachlis? What is the kavana? What is the point? What is this all about? And Hashem shares with us and reveals to us what Yiddishkeit, what the Torah means to Hashem. Why Hashem is so much pleasure. What's Hashem's goal? What's the whole point and purpose of this whole, this whole existence and creation and the Jewish people and the giving of the Torah and the point and Mashiach and the temple? And that's why he forgot. That was his punishment. Forgetfulness comes from something external. You don't forget something that's internal. or something touches you very deeply, you don't forget. When something is just external, if it's just rules, laws, mechanics, okay, you forget. I mean, how, one, a human being can't remember everything. So you forget. But if, if every part of Torah, if you're connected to the inner part of the Torah, the part of the Torah that makes every part of Torah relevant to you personally, and you connect with it in the most intimate way, it's unforgettable. You won't be able to forget. And which law did he forget? The law that you have to carry the ark which contains the luchot, where the Torah was etched, where there was no back, it was all front. Miraculously, whichever side you read the tablets, it was as if you were reading it from the front, there was no back. And how did they carry the ark? The, the four priests, they had to be facing each other, which is unusual. How do you walk if they're facing each other? Two of them had to walk like backward. Because there is no, there's no back. The written Torah has a front and a back. But the Torah that's etched into the luchos, which, which the ark, which was carried in the ark, there was no back. It was all, all of it, it was a face, representing the core, the essence of the Torah, the face of the Torah, the inner part of the Torah. So this was the message that Hashem was telling David. You have to stay focused on the inner part of the Torah, where there's no forgetfulness. We're always focused on what the Torah means to Hashem, the way Hashem is learning the Torah, the way Hashem is enjoying the Torah and finds pleasure in the Torah. What motivates His will? And that, this is one of the last essays because it, it crystallizes for us how key and essential it is to be focused on the inner part of the Torah. It's not enough just to study the external part of the Torah, but the two parts of the Torah have to become seamless. We have to learn the Torah, we have to master the Torah, we have to be the scholar. Like the Alter Rebbe himself was the master of the revealed part of the Torah. His name was Shneer, Shneer, two lights in one name. He was the master of the external part of the Torah. He wrote the Code of Jewish Law. And he was the master of the inner parts of the Torah. And, for the, and the two were seamless. Every part of Torah has its inner counterpart. Every external halacha has its internal counterpart. How it relates to us personally, what it means, how we connect with it, what's the inner meaning, what's, what's it all about, how it relates to real life. 
So a Torah that's divorced from real life, a Torah which is just mechanics and rules and laws and details, that's very superficial. The Torah has to come alive. Where's the life? Where's the pleasure? How, what's the relevance? What's the connection? That you only get when you study Torah, where Hashem learns Torah from the inside out. Hashem's pleasure. And that's the inner part of the Torah. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.